Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined by Raj Chapalu. Raj, it feels like I haven't talked to you in like seven weeks. How are things going? It's going well. Going well. We got a lot of news in between there. We got the uh, LeBron extension. Obviously, mm-hmm. we had the uh, Kevin Durant slash Kyrie slash Sean Marks. Aren't you Steve glad Nash. we spent so much time talking about Kyrie Irving on this podcast, Raj? Yes, uh, very much so. Very much so. <laughs> Went and watched uh, way too much Kyrie Irving uh, basketball tape. I'll tell you uh, what for, I did not. For my own good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a couple of newsy weeks while uh, you and I were unable to record together, but mm-hmm. uh, not so much today, at least not in the Lakers sphere of things. I know no. Anthony and Aaron already talked about the Lakers fallout of the Kevin Durant boardroom ventures, Brooklyn Nets <laughs> news. I mean, I am I am just in awe that there was a statement released by team public relations that included like a separate company. Of Kevin Durant, like that's that's incredible to me. I I saw that and I was like, wait, did Chumps tweet this? I was like, no, like this is from the Nets. <laughs> like it's from Boardroom and the Nets together. Uh, crazy, crazy. Yeah, they're all singing a uh, Kumbaya now, and uh, mm-hmm. Steve Nash just forgets all the news that came out uh, before then. So yeah, we we get to move on though from Kyrie yeah. Irving. So I mean, just one more thing on that. Like I saw Sean Marks and Steve Nash were at the New York Liberty playoff game that was at Barclays last okay. night, and. I would have killed to see Kevin Durant sitting next to them. Just, oh my God, what a great image that would have been. But alas, Durant does not appear to have been at the game. Mm-hmm. Um, too bad not supporting his WNBA side there, but it is what it is. Right. Yeah. But Sad. anyway, uh, like I said, not not super newsy from a Lakers perspective today, uh, though I'm sure the next time we record, actually, it'll still be the end of August, but like, we're we're getting closer to training camp and uh, we're getting way too close previews so, yeah. and projections and things of the sort. And I'm sure we'll be talking about 2022, 23 Lakers basketball very shortly. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I kind of just wanted to engage in some Lakers nostalgia because I got to say, being a Laker fan right now, the nostalgia is really what carries me through <laughs> all of the good times that have been had are what sustains me through all of the crap times that have been going on and potentially will continue into next season. So I gave you a little assignment, Raj, to yes. collect or create a team of the five best or five favorite Lakers role players just in your time watching Lakers, in Lakers history, whatever. Um, I ended up sticking to just my particular era of watching the Lakers because I'm sure. just not as familiar with you know the 80s and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The only condition was that we could not pick any players who were all stars either on the Lakers or not on mm-hmm. the Lakers. Right. It does mm-hmm. does provide some uh, constraints just based on the type of people that the Lakers try to chase in free agency. Well, you, you talked about the nostalgia. There's a lot to go back and watch. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was actually really fun to go watch a real, real good basketball, like, you know, teams mm-hmm. that actually have uh, good players on it and run systems that make sense. So, it was fun and going back and I think role players sometimes are like the most fun part of a title team, right? Seeing someone totally. who like you watch every day and then like the national kind of crowd figures out about them during the playoffs. That is like the most uh, entertaining part of it. And usually what happens, Serena, I was going back, usually when a team wins a title, 
there's a role player that just stays on right even when they're like not good anymore they just stay on because yeah. there's some continuity there I was thinking about like JG Barea on the Mavericks Udonis mm-hmm. Haslam somehow is gonna play again and- 20 seasons for the Miami Heat <laughs> He is the third player in NBA history to play 20 seasons for the same franchise. Yeah. And I was thinking that 2020 title team never didn't really get one of those. I was thinking, I was like thinking there's usually a role player that sticks on. Right. Mm -hmm. And the guy who stuck on was THT and he really didn't play in that title run. So I was just going back and that was really fun. And uh, going back and seeing like what role players played, where, where, where did they play well? And, you know, going back and watching the 2010 finals, the 29 finals, um, seeing a tape from the 2000s uh that was really fun Uh, and going back and watching so i have a squad i think you have a squad we went by positions Mm -hmm. and trying to get our um, list of the most upper echelon role players in lakers history yeah i think you hit on such a good point there that role players i feel like they belong to a fan base more than even the stars right like the stars are Mm -hmm. everybody knows them and everyone nationally wants to watch them but the you know the lesser guys the others like Shaq calls them yeah. are, are just like they really belong to that city that particular fan base and they love all of the little intricacies and like nuances about their game and you know irrationally hype them up sometimes but like that's that's the fun of it right like that you get to just really cape for your guys <laughs> and I definitely feel that way about a lot of people on my list <laughs> me too so let me ask you before we start naming names give me your like uh your criteria, I guess, for a role player, like when you go and look at what makes an incredible role, the upper echelon role player, mm-hmm. like what is what is your criteria that you're looking at? What kind of box do they have to fit in? Mm-hmm. Uh, what qualities do they need to have to be in this to be on this list at all? Yeah. So number one was like a certain level of success. Like I'm not picking role players from the 2014-15 Lakers. It's just not happening. Um, spoiler alert: that none of these guys are on the 2014-15 Lakers. Nick Young's not on your. <laughs> Nick Young uh, is not team. on my team. <laughs> so I mean, the best role players are ones that contribute to actual team success. So right, all of my guys were part of at least one NBA Finals run. Mm-hmm. That was the number one thing. Was just actually no, Absolutely. that's that's not true. Not all of my guys are part of one NBA Finals run. Oh. That's interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, oh. we'll we'll come back to that. But uh team success, big part of it. And then just like a fan favorite kind of quality, you know, like sure. I, I appreciate production, but like guys who really resonated with LA, who mm-hmm. like made it a point to just like endear themselves to Laker fans mm-hmm. are a little bit higher on my list. Sure. Yeah. And then I try not to pick people who are like really really good but like not quite all-star you know I, was, I really wanted to settle in on like a role player like this guy okay. would never be considered more than like the fourth best player on a team you know uh so yeah that's that's where i landed what about you okay yeah so you went more with the like i guess connection to the 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 city of the team mm-hmm. i was just looking pure like on basketball i was sure. like i have to be able to trust you in a closing lineup first okay. of all like that's extremely important to me like you have to be able to close the game and i'm like i'm totally fine with you on the floor and i have to trust that the lights are never too bright like i am i don't have to trust that a ball comes to you when you're open and you you know you you freeze and mm-hmm. you don't know what to do and my last thing i don't know if this is like fair i guess but like the other team can't just not guard you like the other team can't disrespect you on the floor like you have to be somewhat you know of a threat at um at all times and uh be able to work off 
of superstars um and like the success thing of course and uh it's it's funny because i was going back and it's like yeah this guy only won one title with us and for like every other franchise that dude gets in the rafters you know what i mean like that dude (laughs) that dude gets his number retired and for me i'm like he only won one title he only went to two finals but you know i can kind of squeeze him in here which is funny that's the amount of success um we've had so yeah this was this is a lot of fun to go through there's like a, a an extra bar that's set for just all of the success that the Lakers have had, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the bar is the Hall of Fame, right? Yes. Like that's <laughs> that's that's the bar. Like that's you have the bar. To, you have to be that good to get your uh, number up. And again, we have guys who've won like five rings who will never get their uh, number in the rafters because they just aren't um, that tier of player. So mm-hmm. that's just the standard that uh, the Lakers um, hold you to when you play. Yeah. Well, speaking of five rings, um, let's start with point guard. And I actually thought this was pretty easy at point guard to find a a best Lakers role player, and that is Derek Fisher. And for those of you who listen to this podcast and listen to my work or, you know, consume my work regarding the WNBA, you know, I have very complicated thoughts about Derek Fisher at this time of my LA sports fandom, but I'm trying to restrict it to just when he was a Laker. And honestly, everything that you said about can you trust him in a closing lineup are the is he gonna you know come through when the lights are at their brightest if you pass him the ball at the end of the game will he take the shot like all of those things apply to Derek Fisher Mm -hmm. incredible amount of success five titles right he was there for the three-peat in the early 2000s and then both the titles 2009 2010 starting on those teams at the end of the decade uh the number of moments that he's had just like I, I think about role players and like what stands out about role players is that they're solid, right? You know, like right. it's not necessarily individual games that really pop for them. They just do their job every night. Mm-hmm. Like Fish does that and then also has, you know, the three against Orlando in game four of the 2009 NBA finals. Yeah. And then his just ridiculous fourth quarter performance in game three of the 2010 finals against Boston, where he has this amazing like scoop finish, like on in transit, uh, just a lot of great Fisher moments. I always think back to 2001 when he was hurt for most of the regular season, then comes back. And then the Lakers win the last eight games of the regular season. And then the first 11 games of the playoffs, like w- right when fish came back and just what he meant to that team too. Uh, just like, he didn't really succeed anywhere else. <laughs> like he's only a Laker. <laughs> uh, Utah didn't quite work out. Dallas thunder. I mean, thunder played him way too much. Let's be perfectly honest, <laughs> but he was just a perfect triangle point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers, a part of so many indelible moments in my era of watching the Lakers and again, five rings. Like you can't do anything with that. Right. And I'd have Derek Fisher as well, which is crazy when you look back. I mean, we've had so many titles and it's still just like it's Derek Fisher. It's clear. Yeah. Like he's the clear best point guard to pick um from from the players that we've had. And you know, you said it all to me, my favorite D Fish moment is the one you talk about 2010 game three. We don't beat Boston without that quarter. No mm-hmm. one can score. Everyone was tired. It was 84-80 with like a minute what a left. Strange the, game that was. Those type of games that we had, and he got a rebound. You know, went all the way to the floor and got um hacked, I believe, by Big Baby Davis and Kevin Garnett and all the Celtics and got an N one. He was drafted in ninety six, same as Kobe. Uh twenty uh he went twenty fourth, I believe, in the in the first round and they came in together and all the titles that Kobe won, he won with Kobe. Uh, all the titles that Kobe won, he won with Fish. And all the clutch shots you talked about. It's not just the big ones, too. I remember, I don't remember them specifically, but I just remember like regular season games, like 
we'd call plays for Derek Fisher to hit shots yeah. and every and every time he shot I thought it was going in and that you talked about the Orlando Magic um in the finals I mean he had the three over Jameer Nelson uh I forgot which one oh the, the clutch one to in, before overtime mm-hmm. and then he had the one in overtime as well where I had no doubt I remember watching as a teenager I was like, that's going you know that's you know. <laughs> going in there's no way that's not going in and uh he hits that so yeah Derek Fisher was great you talk about his Oklahoma City Park, but I mean, he was a big part, I think, of them going to the finals, like bringing that leadership there. And yeah, like all those qualities we talked about in a role player, it's like Derek Fisher just like was created as that, and uh, he personified just the um, the best traits in a role player. So I think he's clearly the number one here. And he came in the era I was like thinking about it, like with Tony Parker, Steve Nash, you know, all these like super guard, you know, have yeah. all these guard skills and can have floaters and can shoot off the pick and roll. And Derek Fisher just Super solid, yeah. goes and you know runs to the corner, waits for the ball, plays hard defense, um, and just wins. Like that's all. That's all Fisher does is win. So, yeah. uh, it's yeah. As a I, player, I think Fisher, as a player, yes. I think the Knicks also have some. <laughs> no, I also some, think about just like defensively when the Lakers played mm-hmm. Boston. Uh, Kobe was just such a roamer and like would right. be wasted guarding Ray Allen, but like Fisher was willing to fight through all of those screens and stay attached and like that allowed Kobe to guard Rondo and just the the dirty work that he did was was a big part of why that team was so successful. Yeah, absolutely. And he was a rock. Like I said, he's just super solid uh, guard. And I thought he played hard every night. Like I didn't, I don't ever remember like all the fishes, you know, taking it easy tonight. Like I thought he always played hard, which again, as a role player, that, that's all I want when you're playing off the superstars, you play hard, you play your role and don't make mistakes. Like that's mm-hmm. the main thing. And I thought Fisher usually made the right play even if he wasn't the most skilled or didn't have a floater game or would miss layups routinely he would drive oh my God. and like <laughs> I remember that so much like so clear I'm like Fisher whenever he drove I hope he got fouled because there's no way that shot's going in but, but just uh, a really nice great. lefty jumper you know yes yeah. <laughs> yeah so shout out Derek Fisher that's I believe he's a clear number one here I think we agree on that yeah there weren't like even close seconds for me I mean I had Brian Shaw on my list just because you know mm-hmm. I was trying to be as thorough as possible and like sure. I think about that Brian Shaw banked three at the end of the third quarter of mm-hmm. game seven against Portland like sort of mm-hmm. springboarding that comeback uh, in the fourth <laughs> quarter uh, the lobs to Shaq like Brian Shaw had some nice moments and obviously right. he was a big part of the coaching staff that eventually led the Lakers to those later titles but I I don't think it's particularly close (laughs) yeah me either all right uh shooting guard I think this one's a little more interesting Raj who do you have a shooting guard okay so this one was kind of tough honestly because I wanted to obviously I didn't watch the 80s era as much but I wanted to respect it in this conversation as well and I think the accolades just it's too much I have Byron Scott here okay Uh, yeah for for mine I mean the three NBA titles huge part of showtime the starting shooting guard um he also was connected to the next era in my opinion he was his last year as a laker was kobe's, kobe's rookie year, year and, yeah. and uh kobe speaks really high of him and uh yeah magic does as well and i think he was a big part of that running you know running gun showtime team and the three titles and he spent so many years with the lakers i think he went off for a little bit and played for another team but mm-hmm. yeah i have byron scott here and look i wanted to really put like trevor ariza here because i think <laughs> trevor is not a shooting guard <laughs> He's not, but I was trying to fit him into this like lineup <laughs> here and kind of play up because Trevor Reese is probably one of my favorite role players. But uh, yeah, I have uh, Byron Scott here. Who do you have in the, the shooting guard position? So this one was really hard <clears throat> because, like I said earlier, I I didn't feel comfortable putting players right. who I didn't watch play uh, just, you know, because 
I didn't, I didn't feel any of that emotional attachment to them. Right. <laughs> sure. And then if you think about the era that I watched, uh, Kobe was the shooting card for <laughs> exactly. a majority of those years. So it's really hard to find another player who was a role mm-hmm. player who played that position and actually made an impact considering how many minutes Kobe was logging, you know, during the bulk of those sure. important games. Um, I went with KCP. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I know he technically wasn't like a, I don't know what position he played technically, you know, in that title run. I, I think shooting I guard's he, correct. He nominally yeah. started like at the one, but like LeBron was the point guard for those teams. So he and sure. Danny Green were just the two and the three, the way I see it. Uh, again, just another thing where like the moments really stand out to me, right? Like yeah. to think that KCP comes to LA with the baggage of being a clutch client and then he has the DUI and he's unable to play the first two games of his Laker career. And then he gets the house arrest, right? And he's only able to play in California. And mm-hmm. just the amount of criticism that he took that year, right? Because of things that were definitely within his control and things right. that were not within his control at all. Um, and then he deals with that again the next year, right? To the point where like, you know, by his third year, Dwight Howard's telling Laker fans to just like cool it <laughs> with whatever they're saying to KCP. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. And he has these just notoriously slow starts. I mean, I think about the bubble where first game against Portland, he's 0 for 9 from the field and just some horrific misses, right? <laughs> and you're thinking, like, how are the Lakers going to do this without Rajon yeah. Rondo and Avery Bradley? Um, and then he just he just lit it up, right? Like, that playoff run was so good for KCP. Um, the, the game against Miami, game four, where he just has an out-of-body experience like in the fourth quarter Mm. Uh, all of the lobs you know to JaVale McGee just the worst thrown lobs I've ever seen that somehow connect because JaVale (laughs) McGee has that go-go gadget arm (laughs) length Um, and then like I just thought he became like a really solid player you know over the course of his four years here like got to see him grow and like actually improve and become like the kind of player we're like, oh, KCP is missing a game against Phoenix in the playoffs. Like, this is a big problem now, you know? And I, I obviously, like, I've been a very big KCP fan for a while. Like, it's not yeah. a surprise that I share a very strong affection for him, even in this particular exercise. But I know it's only one title. I get it. Um, I just, I just loved watching him play more than just about any other guard that I had on this list. And I'm very sad that he's gone. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because when you look back at KCP, we forget. So he came the year before LeBron came. Right. And I remember that summer, like everyone was like, all right, goodbye, KCP. Like there was right, a, we're going to sign like, Paul George yeah. and it's done. <laughs> we're like, you know, you had your good, fun year. Like this was enough. Um, And just to see, and like he came as a piston, but it feels like he grew here definitely. Yeah. And that playoff run was great. And he was the third best player on a title team. Like that's a short list to be on. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's where he can kind of put his name as, as well. That's a, great you know again so that's why it's tough like there's a lot of guys i would have loved to throw in there with yeah. that like i'm i would have loved to ask you like alex crusoe can you put him in alex like, crusoe's a good one there too i have him on my list i just went with kcp <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought about putting him here as well um so yeah but kcp like in my opinion if the lakers you know ran how most teams do after a title team and you know if the injuries didn't happen i think kcp could easily you know have the accolades that like a Byron Scott did, you know, if we could have ran, uh, if he could have stayed here longer, but I mean, just to show the Denver Nuggets think he's like a missing piece. I mean, yeah. this is like three years later or two years later. So um, I think KCP is a good, uh, good selection here. I just, I thought like the, the no, I think Byron Scott is an excellent pick. <laughs> um, to be clear, I had a hard time with some of these players just yeah. rationalizing the post Lakers career sure. with 
like their post Lakers playing career, I should say, with what they yeah. were as Lakers. And obviously with Fish, the volume of evidence was just so overwhelming that I had to get over it. But like with Byron right. Scott, <laughs> um, still mad about the Byron Scott years. Yeah, I had to separate that as well. The yeah. D'Angelo Russell stuff from like what he actually did oh my God. Uh, as, a, as a player, Um, I have to separate that. But yeah, I think, you know, those are both great selections. And it being yeah, Mamba Day too, I'm going to I'm going to mention that uh, two years ago today when the mm-hmm. Lakers played in those Mamba jerseys for the first time on August 24th, 2020 against Portland in the playoffs, KCP was the one who hit the shot to make it 24 to 8 and then missed the free throw to keep it 24 to 8 for a little bit longer. <laughs> Oh wow, that's that's amazing. I do not remember that at all. I just remember we blew the hell out of Portland. That's yeah. what I I remember. That series was like close for like a game and a half. I mean, they won the first game. They did, yeah. yeah. And then and then that was it. That was, that was that, it. <laughs> that series was over. But yeah, I wanted like some representation from that title team because I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, maybe when I was recording with Anthony at some point, that that's my favorite Laker team ever, nineteen twenty. Oh wow. So just some some representation from that team was necessary for me yeah that's what i was saying it's so rare for like a tile team to just be completely stripped like a year and a half like that's extremely rare i went back and like look like like probably metal world peace for test who's not on here because he won an all-star game he was yeah. in the all-star game he was a but defensive player of the year man <laughs> yeah but like i mean uh he would he stayed on probably a lot longer than yeah. normal but it's because yeah. it's just the continuity um of a title team so uh, but I'm interested, who do you have, Serena, as the uh, small forward on this list? Because I think this is tough, too. This was uh, really hard. Yeah. So, okay. I had just, like, I just had, like, Sasha, Shannon Brown, Alex Caruso Ooh. listed as, like, wings. You know, but I know okay. they're not threes. I know they're not okay. threes. So they're not actually <laughs> on my sure. small forward list. Um, Lamar Odom, I don't think, is a small forward. Uh, he did so kind of play the three in some really weird lineups before Powell got there like I was re-watching the uh the the Kobe 62 game against Dallas the other day okay and Lamar is I think playing at small forward next to Brian Cook and Kwame Brown but like mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's a three right so he's yeah. he's there but like I don't really think he's along so it comes down sure. to two guys for me okay yeah and we've already mentioned one of them Trevor Reza mm-hmm. I ended up going with Rick Fox Okay, that's a good choice. Now, Rick Fox, probably most famous for attacking Doug Christie in the tunnel against Sacramento Kings, I believe in a preseason game, which, Mm -hmm. again, I mentioned that part of my criteria was endearing yourself to the fan base. And if you're going to fight a Sacramento King, I think that's a great way to endear yourself to the fan base. So, number one, (laughs) that's great. Uh, Just another guy who, like, you always trust in a closing lineup, like you said. Mm -hmm. Deceptively good post defender, had super fast hands to strip guys when they were in the post. Um, mm-hmm. One of those guys were kind of like I mentioned earlier, I don't think he has like these standout Rick Fox games, so to speak, right. but he was just always there, not making mistakes, being just a part of good basketball. Um, and then I mentioned the Dallas game just like a second ago, that Kobe 62 performance came on the day that they were honoring Rick Fox's oh, nice. career. <laughs> <laughs> and for him to show out like that for Rick Fox, I think tells you all you need to know about what he meant to Kobe and what he means to the Lakers. Yeah, no, that's a great choice. Honestly, like, so I wasn't really watching as closely back then during those Laker tile teams. So like Rick Fox doesn't like jump off the page, but I mean, the accolades that he was on all three of them, he won uh, the three NBA titles with them. Um, so but I wasn't really following as closely with him. Uh, I think most people 
would was he like more of like a defender type for them or like what would you say like Rick Fox is I guess like main kind of role in that closing lineup because I do see him closing a lot but he's more just solid right and he's someone I think Kobe said like he trusts him to yeah. uh, in any yeah. kind of lineup and he trusts him on the floor but what would you say like Rick Fox I guess is like main uh just plays defense plays defense okay. um I don't even think you want to like pop out to him for a jumper or anything like maybe a midi <laughs> but okay he plays defense yeah okay okay nice yeah see like I went again I went with someone again someone I didn't watch as well but I think like I went back and it was tough because I again I wanted to put Trevor Reza here like mm-hmm. Trevor Reza is like my favorite role player but he's on my list I just like one versus yeah. three is what ended up happening here <laughs> right I mean and Trevor Reza still went to uh two and two NBA finals he didn't play in one of them in the Boston one obviously yeah. but like he was that's still like he again for played, other man, franchises would have been a three-peat uh, yeah <laughs> but other franchises that's like an amazing thing but I went with Michael Cooper uh so okay I, so I, like I was thinking like the accolades oh, so are you just... uh you really got the all-star thing as a <laughs> as a guideline here <laughs> the fact well, that like he was the... defensive player of the year <laughs> doesn't appear to work against I went by the rules of the games. It's true. Um, Those were the rules. Yeah. Should have specified. But the, uh, but the accolades are just too much. Like you go back, I mean, five NBA titles. He was, so this is kind of weird that he didn't make an all-star team. So I would love to like wonder why. I mean, he was eight time all defense, five first time all defense. Like if that doesn't get you into an all-star game, then like, what are we doing? Right. Smart. Um, one of the best, I think, defenders of his era, of his generation, mm-hmm. uh, defensive player of the year, like you talked about, 86-87, I think also another vital part to all those title teams um, and with, with Magic and them. So, yeah, I went Michael Cooper, but again, I was like really close to putting Trevor Reza here. Like I would, 09 and Trevor Reza might be my favorite role player that I just watched. Like you, all those things you talked about, connection to the to the crowd, mm-hmm. to the city, the dunks on people. Like that's those are like moments as a fan. You yeah. just like you connect with that. And the world didn't really find out till like 09 playoffs that like, oh crap, Trevor Reza is legit. Orlando's like, we can't leave this guy open. So yeah. I think it was uh, yeah, I would have loved to put him here. So like I have Michael Cooper slash Ariza on here. Like that's my like if we can just uh have both of them kind of <laughs> in this spot, that would be great. But uh, I have Michael Cooper at this spot. Michael Cooper, one of the rare Lakers whose post-Laker exploits actually do him some favors because uh, <laughs> he won two titles with the Los Angeles Sparks. But yeah, Michael mm-hmm. Cooper is a good pick. Um, admittedly, <laughs> I I thought <laughs> he was not in consideration for me because he was too good. But I get it. I only said all-star, so that's you know within the rules. Sure. Um, Trevor Reza, I mean, the steals against Denver in the Western oh. Conference Finals. I think about that Denver Western Conference Finals so often. What a fun series that was. Just the back and forth, uh, you know, the best I think Carmelo Anthony ever was in the NBA that a year. A monster. Oh, um, my God. You know, although he could not inbound the ball at the end of games. <laughs> uh, just how difficult Chauncey Billups was to contain, but then the satisfaction of being able to beat him after what had happened in 2004. Um, their second unit was just so fast. Yar Smith hitting and, like 35 oh, footers. Like, yeah. what was what was that? Um, yeah, but then like... You know, that wasn't a Bynum series. Definitely not. Mm-mm. That was a, a Lamar and Pau Gasol series. And then, you know, Ariza obviously had his his moments. Shannon Brown, really great in that series. Oh, uh, just So fun. I think a game five run from Shannon Brown was really important. But yeah, that's that's like role player say, heaven for the Lakers. It was that series. You would say that series was a lot closer than people remember, right? Like that was an extremely close First series. Four games could have gone either way. We lost game one, right? Yeah, or we won, not game one, two. One and three. We lost two and four. 
Okay. Okay. We lost game two. Yeah. But I remember game one was hell. Like there was Carmelo yeah. Anthony was attacked. We had no one for Carmelo. Um, and I remember Kobe after that. That's too, why or... we got runner test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But man, I remember like, how do we guard this guy? Ryan Anderson coming in, blocking shots. Um, Chauncey obviously hit every, I feel like Chauncey didn't miss that series. Like I, I still it, remember it felt like it, just... right? Yeah. <laughs> it felt like he hit every shot. So that was an extremely, uh, tough series. And I thought that was important to our run, but yeah, that was a tough Denver team for sure. Yeah, really hard for me to leave Ariza off the list as well, just because of all the things you said. And um, again, like just the connection, right? He's a, an L.A. guy, went to UCLA, uh, just had a, a really tragic family situation that he had to overcome to come yeah. back and uh, ended up playing just so well for the Lakers. Uh, I was studying abroad in Beijing that summer. Oh, wow. My first day of classes was game five of the NBA finals. So I got to watch the game, then go to class. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um and then i set up a google alert for trevor reza and lamar odom's names for the entire summer <laughs> because how else was i going to find out where they were going in free agency <laughs> <laughs> didn't find out until the very last day of my program that lamar odom had resigned with the lakers yeah that was i remember lamar talked about how much hell that experience was for him uh i'm putting you on the spot here really quick yeah. do we still win in 2010 if uh trevor reza stays and a uh, metal War peace does not come over i don't think I, so. I go back i go back and forth with that a lot because Ariza was still good like he wasn't he wasn't metal world peace but like he was still Matter good was that really season. good on paul pierce he was yeah like i feel like we got um meta to guard carmelo and then also potentially guard lebron james and neither yeah. of those ended up happening, right? Um, because mm -hmm. Meta was not the guy to guard Kevin Durant in the first round. Definitely not. Oh, <laughs> um, no. Utah was a super easy series. Like, he didn't have to really do much of anything there. And again, Phoenix, like, I think Ariza probably would have been better suited than Meta for the Phoenix series. Although sure. we obviously have the game five put back game winner. So let's yeah. not discount the contributions. No, that was huge. Mm -hmm. Queensbridge. But I think the Paul Pierce matchup is really where he proved his worth. Yeah. So for sure. that to me is, like, I, I don't know that the Lakers win if he's not guarding Paul Pierce. Yeah, that's that's fair. I guess I just had like an emotional connection to Ariza. I, remember I get that. it. I get and it. I, that was just so tough to like, it's, the swap was was understandable. Meta yeah. was, Ron was a much more, you know, heralded player at the time. I just physical defender, you know, physical defender, 100%. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, shout out Trevor Ariza, who's not got, on either of our lists. But, not uh, on either of our lists. Yeah. <laughs> when, so Ron stayed like for a few years and then came back like in 2017 right yes when he I, I gave the name of this podcast i love basketball <laughs> at the free throw line <laughs> yes yes exactly yeah. and then of course we had the return of trevor ariza 13 years later <laughs> which did not go as well <laughs> i was gonna pretend that didn't you know that was just yeah. that did not happen trevor ariza was just at a few games that's it's all so that funny i was going through just basketball reference lists of Laker rosters, you know, trying to jog my memory about some of these things. And sure. I just keep seeing like the first time that the guys joined the Lakers. And then when they came back later, you know? <laughs> we do love a reunion. We do hundred percent as a, as an organization, we definitely love, we love a reunion. A reunion. <laughs> okay. Power forward. This one was also very hard for me. Raj, who did you end up with at the four? So I'm a little worried because on your new like scale, this guy might be too good. So I'm okay. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit worried here so to me this was clear well not clear because i guess the center's position was tough but to me lamar odom is my pick is okay. he too good do you think he was too good for you 
I went with Robert Ori. Okay. See, well, we'll, we'll get there. But we'll I mean, there, like, yeah. I, yeah, Lamar Odom to me, just the perfect role player as well. Um, He's uh, obviously a great teammate and all that. But I remember, like, growing with Lamar, there were more headaches than I think we remember. Like, I think remember the were... time he just walked the ball in bounds and Phil Jackson just, like, shakes his head at him like he can't understand what is happening. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do remember that. Um, But what I was like remembering back, like in any big game, Lamar showed up though. Like mm-hmm. when when we needed it, and my like favorite, I think Lamar owed a moment. It's not even like in a finals, two thousand nine, the year after the year after we lost, right? Mm-hmm. We had a road trip, so I believe Bynum got hurt on the trip, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But the last two games were Boston and Cleveland, and Boston obviously is always hell to play. Lamar Odom, Lamar Odom hits the free throws to win that one. And then Cleveland was undefeated at home. I don't know, like they, yes, you remember yes, this game that year? They went and, thirty-nine and two at home because they lost right. that game and then won at the end of the year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I remember like this is the like everyone was like this is the game they got to show that they're tough. So they beat Boston barely, right? They get through Boston. They're six and zero on the road trip. Mm-hmm. Seventh game of the road trip. Lamar Odom puts up twenty-eight points and seventeen rebounds and absolutely just demolishes the Cavs. And I remember at the time I was like. It wasn't that crazy that Lamar did that. Like, that's mm-hmm. in his blood. He just doesn't do it all the time. But, right. like, to me, like, and Lamar just shows up when uh, when there's big moments. So, one of my favorite role players, I guess, of all time, too, up there with Trevor Reza. Um, and a guy that I, you know, I think deserved to stay longer than he did. I get the Chris Paul <sighs> stuff, but that was just really tough. And I remember that, you know, that Dallas trade was so ugly. Like, it was just so, so ugly. It was so heartless. Like, there was no, like, I remember it just was like ripped off out of nowhere. So, but um, yeah, yeah Lamar we, we broke just, his heart yeah. by trading him for Chris Paul. <laughs> and then he felt like he couldn't play for us anymore. So we tried to get him to a good place and it just ended terribly for everyone involved. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I have Lamar here um, at my uh, power. Who do you, and you said you have uh, Robert. Ory I have Robert. Ory. So okay. this was again, really, really tough choice between Ori and Lamar. I feel like it was like equally tough between Rick Fox and Ariza. Um, I, I don't even really know why I went with Ori instead of Lamar because I adore Lamar Odom. The very first basketball jersey I ever bought was a Lamar Odom jersey um, right after he re-signed with the Lakers in 2009, actually. <laughs> um, incidentally, NBA.com did not have women's jerseys for Lamar Odom, so I had to customize it to say Odom. It's ridiculous <laughs> that they do not have the same selection for women, but that's an entirely yeah. different story. Uh, it's not even that I don't think of Lamar as a role player. It's just... I feel like Robert Ori is the definition of a role player. Sure. <laughs> like if you were to like look it up in the encyclopedia, like there is a picture of Big Shot yeah. Bob with his seven rings and all of the incredible moments that he's been a part of. I mean, it just doesn't get better than that three against Sacramento. Like, I can mm-hmm. watch that game every day and I never get tired of it. Uh, I think maybe even just that one shot is what pushes Robert Ori into this category for me because mm-hmm. like, like you said, you know, will he rise to the occasion when the lights are the brightest? Can you pass on the ball and trust that he'll make the right decision? That's Robert Ory. That's absolutely Robert Ory. And he was like ahead of his time, you know, a stretch four when mm-hmm. that really wasn't a thing. All of the shots that he hit, just the, the, the fear that he inspires an opponents. I mean, and like, again, Lamar, like you said, maybe he's a little too good for this, right? Like, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Robert Ory definitely not too good for this. He is a role player, no. absolutely a role player, and I mean, I think I think he's the very best role player to ever do it. 
No, no, that's totally fair. And Lamar's probably like only a role player because he was on that team. Because he was like, on the I Lakers, told, right? Because he was I totally, behind I, yeah. Howard Andrew Bynum. <laughs> I totally get that. And Lamar not making the All-Star team is kind of crazy when you look back, considering like I, I went back he and was gonna be ineligible based on my rules. <laughs> yeah, I, I double checked that because I mean one year the Atlanta Hawks had like four dudes on the All-Star team. Like I was thinking like <laughs> Lamar must have got in one, but he didn't. There were no Never in the Eastern games, Conference. <laughs> uh for Lamar Odom. Um so yeah, I mean Robert Ory. I had him as I don't know if this is if doable, but I had him as like my small ball center in this lineup actually. So he was he was next. I have modernized the uh mo- the, uh, the upper echelon of role players here, so I've I put him in the center position, okay. um, and all the stuff you talked about and what you said earlier about like connecting with the city. I think Robert already kind of understood as well. Like when he played in LA, he understood where he was playing. Like he mm-hmm. he 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 drew into it. He talked to the crowd. Like he was all about um the star power of it so um yeah i think Which that's is a funny great because i think he's like from alabama originally <laughs> so it's definitely like not where he grew up like he had to sure. access that you know showtime part of himself yeah uh, and small and I ball five <laughs> <laughs> that's I've so modern- funny i've modernized it but um <laughs> i couldn't find the exact place because obviously when you look up when you search kobe quotes a bajillion things come up right so i was trying to find the quote where he said it but i remember listening to it or if maybe you remember it but i remember i don't know what show asked him but they asked him like um if you had to pass to someone you know in the uh, at the end of a game who would you pass to and i believe he said something like robert ori every time like i would pass to robert every time because i like he was always making in the clutch so that's something that stuck out with me um as well so you're right it's the role player only thing with me my only like thing about putting Robert Ori here is that like he won he's not a center no (laughs) we're in 2022 Serena everyone's a center (laughs) Uh, but like he also like had the rings with the Spurs and the Rocks so he's ours for sure but like he He had the most with us he had the most with us for sure he was also like shared around like other teams titles so that was my only like uh pause here but uh yeah I had Robert Ori um as my center and it I'm interested who you have at center because I think this is fascinating. It's hard to find like this was the hardest one by okay. far because the Lakers, by definition, employ star big men, right? So every mm-hmm. great Lakers team has a great big man. Sure. And that means that they are ineligible for this exercise. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> so it was just impossible for me to think of a team where like a backup big man played any meaningful minutes and wasn't an mm-hmm. all-star right uh like my i was talking about this with my brother and he said oh it's dwight howard from 2020 and i was like no but dwight's been an all-star and he's like but he wasn't at the time <laughs> but like deliberately does not fit my rules and besides like the other two years of dwight were pretty terrible uh, and mm-hmm. then he's like well what about javel mcgee and i'm like well javel mcgee like barely even factored into this playoff run right and i also have a hard time with javel mcgee because he like threw a hissy fit and then forced the lakers to trade away to so much so that never quite sit right. Um, so I I had a really hard time with this. I wrote down one name, and I don't even think like it's it's sad to me that this is the name that's on a list with all I'm of fascinated. the other Laker great role players. I wrote down Chris Mim. Um, who, like I said, remember, not all of my guys factored into a Lakers title run. That's so interesting. So Chris Mim, my like most positive memory of Chris Mim is that obviously he's uh he comes to the Lakers summer of 2004 after they've traded away Shaq right so they trade Shaq to Miami they bring back Karan Butler Lamar Odom Brian Grant and then they make a separate trade with Boston that sends away Rick Fox actually uh and get Chris Mim 
And mm-hmm. Chris Mims' very first game with the Lakers puts up 23 and 12. And it was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> like, who needs Shaq? <laughs> Obviously the wrong, wrong takeaway. This is amazing. <laughs> it was against the Nuggets. He puts up, you know, 20 and 10 double-double. And just like, after having gone through that summer, of Kobe versus Shaq and Kobe threatening to go sure. sign with the Clippers and having to trade away Shaq, <clears throat> not getting Dwayne Wade back, right? Like just all of the wholesale changes that happened with the Lakers during that offseason. Like it, they didn't even, it wasn't even just like Shaq that they lost, right? Like everybody was gone, you know? It was right. almost an entirely different team other than like like Luke Walton and Devin George who stuck around. Um, good role players actually who would, you know, maybe make like a seventh to tenth <laughs> list of this. But, uh to have that moment of Chris Mim, I'm just forever grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I watch like the 05, 06, and like 07 Lakers, you know, basically just when Kobe was trying to carry everything, I find myself just like always fondly thinking, like, yeah, Chris Mim, he's a pretty decent player. <laughs> so that's why he's on my list. That's that's so interesting. So like I so I don't remember much from Chris Mim, so I'm looking right now. I guess he was on the 08 and 09 team, which I do not recall. He was on the 08 09 team? I'm looking at the basketball reference page. He played uh, uh he played 18 games in 08 09 for the Lakers okay, yeah, and, yeah. and 07 But I don't remember any of that. Like I he was a <laughs> like I don't recall. So maybe he was part of a title run. <laughs> yeah, he was somehow. Like amazing. Like, yeah, so I don't remember that at all. But I do remember like he was just the backup center. Like he just would not play so i don't know much uh about chris Mim. also he he did wear the number that i wear when i played youth basketball so that's always a nice little connection (laughs) that's great yeah so like so i'm glad you did that because i just ignored centers like completely it's so hard because everybody was an (laughs) all-star i went back i was like andrew bynum but i think he made it did he he made an all-star made an all-star team so i was like he's not i don't think it was deserved honestly (laughs) So I just decided not to do centers. It's like I'm mm. just gonna go with a power forward. But uh, yeah, Chris Mim. That's 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 it, interesting because it offends I didn't know me that I had Chris Mim on the team without Lamar Odom and without Trevor Ariza. But I mean, that's how positions work, right? Yeah, I was like, if you're gonna do that, I might as well just you know throw it, uh, throw it. Uh, or Javale made an All Star team, I think. But um, no, I just, but yeah, I don't know. Javale, like, like I said, I had the 2020 representation with KCP. Like, this is yeah. just sort of uh the in-between era of lakers basketball right like not when they were terrible like you know the 2010s but like still making the playoffs just not particularly good yeah and i i honestly wanted to throw caruso in here at somewhere i just the accolades are too much to like throw him in there but i agree i would have loved to if he had like a few more years on like a really good laker team i'm certain that he'd he'd be on one of these lists yeah Um, trevor reza and caruso both uh, deserve their name up in role player, you know, role player uh, history. Yeah, 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 role player history for us. Uh, but yeah, I think these are all right. So, your final team was Fish, Byron Scott, Michael Cooper, Lamar Odom, and Robert Ory. Yes, okay. And mine is Fish, KCP, Rick Fox, Robert Ory, and Chris. <laughs> I really wonder like what other centers people would have on their lists. Yeah, me too. Yeah, if uh, whoever's listening, tweet at us. You know, tweet us your centers <laughs> of Laker, uh, Laker lore. Role I mean, I guess history. it's Javale McGee, but like I, I don't know. I just that that one year of Grisman yeah. like putting up some double doubles. Just you know, when you're a so, fan who's hurting, it, it matters. So you didn't, 
You didn't know he was on the uh, title team then. He wasn't on it by the end of the year. Oh, by the yes, yes, yes. Okay, but I didn't. I don't even remember him on the finals team that went in 07. He must have gotten hurt. So he, it says he got hurt in 06, 07, did not play the whole year. Yeah. Um. Says he says he played twenty three games in 07, 08. Um. So yeah. Yeah. It's it. Uh, I guess he was a part of a finals team at least, even if they didn't win. Um. He was part of a successful team. Uh. So, but yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Chris Mim as the as the, uh role player center representation here. <laughs> it's a it's a hard it's a hard list. <laughs> well, uh, before we get out, one last question. So, if you mm-hmm. had to choose, we're gonna we're gonna fast forward now to today. Okay. Uh, one player on the current team you think could you know have a chance to enter this this current list? Uh, is there any or is there not one? That is, is a, a play- great question. A great question. Um. Because as I have proven, you don't need to be on a supremely successful Lakers team to make this list. <laughs> I'm going to say probably Damian Jones and Thomas Bryant have the best uh, chance. <laughs> that's uh, that's, to- that's totally fair, actually. Yeah. And their centers, they would. Their centers. Of... That's exactly why I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah, I went through our roster. I was like, I still think Austin Reeves would like probably be the best choice that like could possibly yeah. grow with the team right has mm-hmm. a connection with the fan base because he was drafted here everyone else kind of has their story before they get here um but i think that's the fun part of this is like all these role players have like stories that they built here you know like that they, they what's sad here. is that the one laker with laker playoff experience we did not put on this list who are we Taylor and tucker <laughs> oh. <laughs> the man had like yeah. a great sequence against houston in the nba playoffs like that is one, a great like, origin story, you know, to potentially be on one of these lists. And both you and I were like, nah, not THD. <laughs> Do you think that was on like a presentation? That one play was just like in the negotiating room. It was just like oh, up man. there, the crossover on Harden and the finger. I, I recorded a podcast with Christian Rivas that day after the game and was just okay. like, I was, I couldn't even like sit. I was so excited about that THD sequence. <laughs> I was like floating. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. And then the game wasn't completely over yet, too. No, it was, it was like, a it was meaningful like, sequence of basketball. Yeah, it was like a through the legs finger roll. We're like, wow, look at you know THC score. Uh, okay. but yeah, hopefully he can enter into that. But I think that's a fun, you know, conversation too, which uh which one can join that if we're a good team this year. Um I but... hope that we do get to revisit that question, Raj. I hope so. Even if <laughs> it's too. like buddy healed, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> That would be that would you know I would I would take. Buddy Hill makes the list. Things have gone very well. They have. You're right. If we have if we have someone that's on this list at the end of like February oh, March. Man, we... you know what I should have said is my answer. Mm. is Schroeder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, would have been the is, one. <laughs> is not on the team yet. He's yeah. coming back. It's happening. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think it's happening. Right, I'm yeah. I'm sort of like um I, you know how like I said earlier this offseason that I was like gonna have to mentally get on board with Russell Westbrook being a Laker. Like I've abandoned that. It's never gonna happen. But Schroeder, I can mentally get on board with again because there were a lot of good times pre-COVID. I liked Dennis Schroeder on the Lakers quite a bit. He was, but like like you know that part of the role player where it was like the trust of the lights are never too bright. <laughs> the lights got a little bright for Dennis Schroeder. They got a little bright, which doesn't mean everything he did was bad. Like there are the brights sometimes just get bright for life. Also, sometimes get bright for trusting players. a guy to fill his role and nothing more does not apply to Dennis Schroeder. Which not you should know going in. Yeah, which you should know going in about Dennis Schroeder. But even then, uh, but maybe... I like him better than any other point guard the Lakers have to offer right now. So 
Yeah, that's I would completely take it. that is completely fair. And you know, maybe the whirlwind around teams just, you know, letting him go, maybe that changes his kind of mindset um of being a starter of all those you I know, will that he wanted. Eagerly be watching Germany at Eurobasket this year to see what Dennis Schroeder looks like again. Okay. I think those international competitions are a great way for guys to regain their confidence. Sure. I'm looking sure. forward to that. Yeah. yeah. And if Dennis Schroeder's back, he's gonna, you know, fill a heavy guard rotation uh that we that we have currently so um this was a lot of fun it's really like going back and watching you know mm-hmm. good basketball do you remember that it was like two years ago <sighs> i think <laughs> i think people really overstate how bad the 2020 21 season was like that was a very good um, laker team it was a very good laker team that just happened to be missing lebron and anthony davis at the exact same time and that made our record look a lot worse than it should have been and then they got hurt during the playoffs but like, I still think that was an awesome team. The fact that we overcorrected so hard from that team grinds my gears. <laughs> I was telling Aaron like last week when I was recording, I didn't remember they played so little together that season. They played 27 games that season, the mm-hmm. the good season, or okay season, whatever, yeah. uh, where they were the eight seed. They played 27 games. That was a team that finished first in defense like that. First in defense. First Incredible in defense. Incredible accomplishment by Frank Vogel. And Dennis Schroeder was a big, Part, part of, of that, that. Like, yeah. a big part of that. Our his pick, his point of attack defense was along with Caruso, um, was important. So that's a lot on Dan Schroeder, honestly. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I think but, it'll come in handy later. I really okay. do. <laughs> yeah, you're all right. You're kind of uh, manifesting this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, that has been I Love Basketball. Thank you so much for tuning in and indulging our off season shenanigans. Hopefully, you're subscribed to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network for talk about the Lakers every day of the week, even during the off season. And we'll be back next Wednesday. Get, 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 get